This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It's six minutes past nine o'clock. We're in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome from wherever you are. It's a Friday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, the ninth day of June 2023. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us here this morning. A very chilly day down here in the mountains of western North Carolina. It was only 46 degrees when I got up uh, this morning. I had to go outside and uh, get the chickens out, and it was uh, it was chilly. And of course, I had shorts on because it's been uh, in the upper 70s, low 80s every day, and it's been nice in the morning. And uh, oof, got a wake up call this morning of my own. Um, as you heard on the newscast uh, just prior to the start of me coming on, Donald Trump has been indicted. Look, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm trying not to act too gleeful this morning, and. I don't know what is going to come of this, but as I have said all along, even if you are the staunchest Republican in the history of Republicans, don't you at some point have to look up and say, God, I'm tired of this enough already. You know, there's got to be a better path than Donald Trump for president. Don't you? I mean, even if you love Donald Trump, at some point, don't you just have to say, good God, man, enough. And, you know, him saying I'm totally innocent and I was watching a Today Show this morning and they had his uh, had his one of his attorneys on there and talking about, you know, his first reaction was, oh, what a what a horrible thing for America. What are we going to do? Come on. Donald Trump doesn't care about anything but himself and his power. You know, and what a, and 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 to 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 uh, drive that home even farther. What does he do as soon as this happens? They're out there begging for money. I mean, seriously. You know, after he was indicted in New York, he you know they raised like four million dollars from people. I mean, at some point, you know, people got to say, Jesus, am I am I trying to elect this guy president or am I paying for his legal defense fund? You know, that's kind of where we're at with this whole thing. It's it's nuts. Um, and look, again, even if you are the staunchest Republican and you love Donald Trump, you know, and he can say he is innocent until the cows come home. But let's let's put this in perspective. Back in December of 2021, one of Trump's people told the National Archives that some of his records were in, were at Mar-a-Lago. So in January of 2022, the archives gets like 15 boxes of stuff from from Mar-a-Lago. And then they let the Justice Department know, hey, this had a lot of classified material in it, which obviously not kosher. 
Okay, so th- this is so this happens between December of 2021, January 2022. Then in May, right, five months later, the FBI and the Justice Department get a subpoena to get the rest of the classified documents that Trump have. They come down to Mar-a-Lago uh, a few weeks later to get the records. They were given like three dozen documents and a sworn statement from Trump's lawyers that all of the requested information had been returned. I repeat, they were given a sworn statement that all of the information had been returned. Well, guess what? Three months later in August, with a search warrant, the federal officials come back and they get 33 boxes of stuff from Trump's home that contained about 11,000 documents. They were in a storage office or storage room in an office. And in that 11,000 documents, there were 100 of them that were classified. So this is after they have given a sworn statement in uh, in May that you got it all. This is all of it. But three months later, they find 11,000 more documents and 100 classified documents. So this took place over the course of about nine months. And essentially, that sworn document says, well, he lied. He's trying to obstruct justice. He's trying to hide uh, things. It's a violation of the Espionage Act. You know, look, uh, you, we can argue semantics. We can argue what the exact charges are. At the end of the day, this guy lied. He had stuff, and he lied. And, you know, people that want to say, hey, well, they found stuff at Mike Pence's house, and they found stuff at Joe Biden's house. Here's the deal. Yeah, they did. And as soon as they found it, they called somebody, and they handed them over. And there was no indication that either one of them had any idea they were even there or that they tried to hide it. They just turned it over. You know, along the, along the, that's along the lines of, hey, when you're packing up a house every now and then, you, and then you, you're unpacking boxes years later, and you go, oh, I forgot about this. You know, and so you turn it over. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not apples to apples here. Trump's people and Trump stonewalled federal officials because Trump feels he's above the law about everything. It's just so say whatever you want. But at the end of the day, he lied and he did try to keep this stuff, you know, and 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 uh, what's going to happen? I don't know. I mean, look, here's the deal. Even if, you know, even though he's indicted or even if he is convicted, it doesn't stop him from running for president. Right. It doesn't. There's no law in the Constitution that says that you can't run for president if you are indicted on federal charges. Think about that for a minute. (laughs) If if uh, if uh, Joe Smith down the street uh, gets arrested for uh, burglary. He's going to lose his job. And once he's got something on his record, he's going to have a hard time getting a job, but you can be Donald Trump and run for president, get indicted, and perhaps even get convicted, 
and still run for president. You could still win the presidency. I mean, what I want to know is if, if he ends up going to jail, which is probably highly unlikely. <laughs> even one of his supporters said, hey, he's going to die in jail. You know what? Uh, even if that happens, even if he goes to jail, he could still be on the ballot and he could win. What happens if we have a guy that's in jail that gets elected president? Then what? Does he pardon himself so he can get out? I mean, it's, I mean, it sounds a little far-fetched. I think... I think people are starting to get tired of this. But Mike, my, my, and, and look, it's not over for Trump. You know, he's still got to deal with the whole thing, uh, the hush money payments that uh, for Stormy Daniels. You know, and this is all part of the whole thing in New York with the uh, falsifying of business records. Each one of those, by the way, punishable up to four years in prison. It's not going to happen, but he was, you know, he was 34 felony counts in New York. He still got that. Then he's got the investigation in Georgia about what he called the Secretary of State down there, Brad Raffensperger, and told him to go find 11,780 votes. And then we have evidence of fake electors. And that some of these people have flipped and are, are cooperating with investigators down there. And the uh, Fulton County District Attorney is trying to figure out whether she's going to charge him. It's probably going to happen. So he's still got to deal with that. Uh, he, there's still the stuff with, you know, with January 6th, whether he incited a riot. And then, of course, the civil cases in New York with the Trump uh, organization. Uh, it, look, you know, it's one thing after another. So at some point, people are just going to have to say, you know, whether it's and, – and, God, I hope it's not Ron DeSantis, you know, if and even Ron DeSantis, you know, Ron DeSantis was sticking up for Trump yesterday. But if you look at what's going on in Florida, right, Ron DeSantis's, uh popularity is cratering in Florida because, I mean, he's off the rails with this anti-woke thing, he calls it. I mean, you know, uh, so I hope it's not him, but whether it's Tim Scott or uh, whether it's Asa Hutchinson, whether it's – Chris Christie, whether it's uh, uh, Nikki Haley, whoever it is, there's got to be somebody else out there if you're the Republicans so that you can start concentrating on fixing this country as opposed to trying to pay to keep Donald Trump out of jail. Just saying. Um, I hope the uh, they're hoping that the air quality in the Northeast and around the uh, the East Coast of the United States is going to start improving this weekend. We actually got some of that stuff down here, the smoke from the wildfires um, in Nova Scotia here in North Carolina. Uh, it, it nowhere near. We don't have bad air quality. It's just, you know, it's here. But we haven't had to worry about staying inside the way they have up north where they have schools being canceled, games being canceled. Uh, yesterday, they canceled racing at Belmont Park because of the poor air quality. There is a chance that the Belmont Stakes, which are supposed to be run this weekend in New York, could be canceled. They're saying that if the air quality index in New York on Saturday exceeds 200, then they are going to cancel the Belmont Stakes. And make no mistake, they do not want to do this. Um, you know, the governor has said, look, uh, you know, that this is, you know, people come from all over the country. It's a big deal. So hopefully we're, we're, we're not going to have to cancel. 
but we don't know what the weather's going to be. So it could be a last-minute decision. And the New York Racing Association is saying even if the air quality is between 150 and 200, only horses that pass an additional uh, pre-race vet exam are going to be permitted to race. So um, that, there could be no Belmont this weekend. We, we may not have a Triple Crown race uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, they had to cancel racing at Saratoga yesterday. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, you know, and, and people are saying, well, this is, this could be our new normal because of climate change. I hope not, but, you know, it is what it is, and, and, and you know, let's just hope it clears up. I know that uh, they said the air quality in Pennsylvania yesterday in Philly was like the worst in the world. Like, on a scale of 0 to 500, Philadelphia was at 444. So, and I know New York was uh, around that. Allentown, Pennsylvania has been specifically ba- bad as well. Uh, so, hopefully, uh, they're saying they think by the end of the weekend things are going to be better, but uh, the Belmont could be in trouble uh, on Saturday. Uh, hockey yesterday, the Florida Panthers come up with a win. They beat uh, the Vegas Golden Knights 3-2 in overtime in Game 3 of the Stanley Cup. Florida now still trails in the series two games to one. Uh, game four Saturday night in Florida. How about this? The Florida Panthers in the playoffs are seven and zero if they go into overtime. They've won more games in overtime in the, in these playoffs in twenty twenty three than they have won in regulation. Unheard of. Uh, Matthew Kachuk tied it with two thirteen left in regulation, and then uh, Carter Verhage with a. Goal 427 into the overtime. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky with 25 saves for Florida. Uh, Aiden Hill made 20 saves for Vegas. That was the only shot, by the way, that Florida had in the overtime. It came, as I said, at 427, and it beat Hill. And uh, so Florida still alive uh, in this one. Um, before we get to uh, baseball yesterday and the debacle that is the Boston Red Sox, uh, NFL news uh, – Bit of a surprise, I guess, at least to me. The Minnesota Vikings released Dalvin Cook yesterday. Uh, And it's a strictly a money-saving move. Dalvin Cook is a guy that has rushed for 1,000 yards or more in four of his six seasons in the NFL. He is one of the best running backs in football right now. 52 career touchdowns in six years. He's only 27 years old. He now becomes a free agent. And Minnesota's doing this so that they can free up $9.7 million in cap room. They're trying to, uh, you know, it's one of the problems that you have with, uh, you know, when you have quarterbacks making $30 million a year and, you know, receivers and, you know, sometimes it's it, it becomes all about money and that's what it is. So they are going to hope that they can repeat their NFC North title. Look, they went 13-4 and last year, the Vikings did. And yet they are still going to release Dalvin Cook. And um, Miami, by the way, is the leader in the clubhouse, <laughs> those people think, uh, who might be uh, out there to try to sign Dalvin Cook. If you add Dalvin Cook to that team along with those receivers that they have, the, the Dolphins are going to be um, a force to be reckoned with. But a uh, bit of a surprise for me. It really is. Uh, and, and I think part of this, by the way, part of the reason that they're doing it, I think with Aaron Rodgers leaving to go to the New York Jets and the fact that the 
Green Bay Packers are now going to be turning to Jordan Love to be their quarterback, a guy that is untested. I think the Vikings are saying, well, the Packers really aren't going to be a threat. You know, the Bears are better, but they don't think they're going to be a threat. Detroit might be. There's a lot of people that think Detroit is going to be uh, a surprise team this year. But I think the Vikings are looking at that division and saying, well, if we're going to make this move, now is the time to do it because we probably still have the best talent in this division with the departure of Aaron Rodgers from the Green Bay Packers. So that's uh, a bit of a surprise move, but uh, uh, – Probably not the last one we're going to see as we get closer to training camps opening uh, in the NFL. So, uh, the Red Sox. Uh, ruined my dinner last night. It just I got, you know, I mean, just watching that last night was tough. And here's the thing. I mean, we already went through the whole drama yesterday when word came down that uh, Matt Dermody was going to make the start for the Red Sox in this game. And I have to be honest, I did not remember the whole flack that happened uh, back in 2021 when Dermody tweeted out some uh, homophobic stuff about, you know, that basically that uh, if you're gay, you're going to hell because it's in the Bible. You're going to hell. Uh, And then you come to find out that over the course of that year, uh, he liked all kinds of things on Twitter, p- other posts about about Nazis, uh, about uh, uh, anti-Semitic things, about uh, beating your children. Uh, it was, I mean, it was just uh, brutal when you look into it. So I didn't know anything about that when we did the show yesterday because I just frankly, it wasn't on my radar. I had forgotten all about it. And uh, the Red Sox signed him in January, and then when this all came out, when they said they were going to call him up, and then all of a sudden this explodes, and they're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And so they had to have a talk with him, and they were comfortable, they said, with, you know, he was like, that's not who I am, and it's not what I meant, and yada, you know, and okay. Uh, It got worse and worse as time went on. We found out that it was not not quite as rosy as uh, Dermody was trying to make it out to be. And it turns out after the game yesterday, he was released. He was designated for assignment. I hope he enjoyed uh, his time with the Boston Red Sox that lasted one game. He may never get another chance to pitch in baseball again. Because, you know, when he went, you know, down to the minors and, and got signed to a minor league contract, you could fly under the radar there. As soon as he came up to the majors, it came out big time and headlines all over the country about what he had done in 2021, back when he was pitching in Japan at the time, by the way. So he's never pitching again. He's done. You know, it's kind of like uh, Trevor Bauer uh, over in Japan. He's probably never pitching in the majors again after what happened, what he did. Uh, even though that he was never charged with anything, the court of public opinion, no team is going to want to touch him. He is kryptonite. And by the way, Trevor Bauer pitched so badly in Japan, the Japanese team sent him to the minor leagues. So, uh, But anyway, so you already knew he was going to get the start. Aaron Savali was starting for Cleveland, uh, really good kid, really good pitcher, and it started out about the way you would expect. Cleveland scores a run in the first, two in the third, it's 3 nothing, uh, and you're like, oh boy, you know, here we go. The Red Sox aren't hitting the ball at all off of Savali. Uh, <laughs> Jose Ramirez, who had been silent for weeks, had been, you know, just wasn't the same player, he takes, you know, 
Dermody deep uh, twice. Yay, right? So it's 3 nothing at the end of four. They take him out, and they bring in Corey Kluber. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Corey Kluber uh, in three and a third innings gives up 11 hits and seven runs. It was batting practice. It made my 62-year-old ass want to run to the bat rack. Um, I am stunned. I have to be honest. I am stunned at how bad Corey Kluber has been. Look, last year with the Tampa Bay Rays, all right, Corey Kluber threw 164 innings. Now, he gave up more hits than innings pitched, but he didn't walk people. He only walked 21 people in 164 innings last year. ERA was, you know, 4.34. His walks, hits, and innings pitched, he's only allowing 1.2 base runners uh, per inning. That's good. If you're doing that as a starting pitcher, you're, you're winning some games. And so he was a solid pitcher for Tampa Bay last year. And as I said, 21 walks in 164 innings. This year he has walked 20 guys in 48 innings. His walks and hits to innings pitch 1.65, which is horrid. He's got an ERA of over 7. And I am stunned that he has been this bad. Now, he's not the guy that he used to be. He's not the guy that struck out 222 guys in 100 and, or in 215 innings back in 2018 when he was with Cleveland, when he was winning Cy Youngs all over the place, a guy that for five straight years struck out over 225 batters each season. He was one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball. But then injuries took their toll, the velocity is gone, and Corey Kluber is toast. And the Red Sox gave him a lot of money on a one-year deal. And it is time for them to let Corey Kluber walk. You just eat the money at this point and you let him walk. There has got to be somebody in AAA who can do better than what Corey Kluber is doing right now. You know, it. I mean... They've got two guys that started the season. Think about this. The Red Sox are such a mess. They have two guys that started the season in the rotation in Nick Pavetta and Corey Kluber that are in the bullpen right now. Kluber has been horrific. Pavetta has been close to horrific. Pavetta has been slightly better. Every now and then he'll come in and throw you a, a solid inning. You know, But that's where this team is at right now. It's a mess. And 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 if 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 you're the Red Sox, this next couple of weeks you've got some decisions that you're going to have to make. And it, the decision is basically this: Look, we know we're in the toughest division in baseball right now. They're under 500. It's the first time they've been under 500 since April 28th. They are just playing awful. They've lost five of the last six. And they just can't get out of their own way, but you have a decision to make. You have a schedule coming up where you're playing the Yankees three games this weekend, all right? And the Yankees are not going to have Aaron Judge, and even with Aaron Judge, this is not the most scariest team you've ever seen. Then after that, you play the Rockies, the Twins, who are barely over 500, the White Sox, who are well under 500, and the Marlins, who are pretty good, that can pitch. But so you've got five teams coming up that – 
you know, they're not – it's not like playing the Sisters of the Poor, but they're games that you can or, – or series that you can be competitive in. Now, if they go through these next five series, so let's say it's, what, uh, 15, 20 games. If they go through that those games and they're 10 and 10 at the end of those games, let's say it's 20 games, and they go 10 and 10, what do you do, right? You're, you're going to be – a game under 500, you're going to have like 70 games left in the season. Right now, they're only five games out of a wild card spot. That's the thing that's amazing here. As badly as they've been playing, they're only five games out of a wild card spot. But if you're a game under 500, 20 games from now, when you've played, uh, you would have played 83 games. Right, because uh, yeah, they're at uh, they're at six uh, they're at sixty three now. So let's say eighty three games. So you're going to have essentially eighty games left. You're going to be at the halfway point of the season. You're going to be a game under five hundred. You're going to be six or seven games out of a wild card spot. What do you do? Do you say we're going to go for it and you make some trades and you, you trade away a Bobby Dalbeck, maybe a Nick York, uh, you know who knows what else, or maybe a Jaron Duran to try to get some pitching back and get yourself back in this race. Do you say, or, or do you say that getting back Adam Duvall this weekend, getting back Trevor Story in July, that's going to be the thing that's going to tip this the right way for the Red Sox? What do you do? And I don't, I don't have an answer to that. By the way, you know, the fan in me says you got to go for it, and you know, this is still a good enough team to make the playoffs. It's a good enough team to make the playoffs, but it's not a good enough team to win the World Series. So, is it worth it? I, I don't know. I really don't. You know, and and I gotta and I gotta be honest. It's this isn't like the NBA or the NFL or the NHL, where if you get a high draft pick, you're guaranteed to get a stud player that is going to make a difference and can turn your franchise around immediately. Look. Uh, uh, in the NBA, if you, if you get the number one draft pick or a top two or three, you're going to get a guy that is going to be a franchise difference maker. That's not necessarily the case in baseball. It's not. There's a lot of guys that get drafted in the first round that don't make it. Um, so is it worth it? You know, say, well, we'll just you know say screw it and try to get a better draft pick. Because here's the thing: even if they say screw it. They're still not going to be in the top half of the draft because there's so many crappy teams out there, and the Red Sox are, you know, are in the best division in baseball. But right now, even as bad as they've played, all right, as bad as they've played right now, by the way, that 31 and 32 record the Red Sox have, that'd be in first place in the AL Central. Minnesota leads the AL Central a game under 500. That's crazy. So right now. Um, there are 13 teams, About half of the league has a worse record than the Boston Red Sox. So what do you do? Now they go on a tear and they go 15 and five in those games. It's a different conversation with Duvall back and story back. And you know, we, we still have yet to find out how long Chris sale is going to be back but if if you turn it on and you go 15 and 5 over these next series it's a different conversation as we're going into July but if it's a 500 record over the next 10 or next 20 
you know, it might just be time to say we're going to take our lumps, we're going to do the best that we can, and we're going to hang on to the prospects that we have and hope that it's going to turn around next year. I mean, I don't know what else you do at this point. So, uh, so the Red Sox will go to play the Yankees all weekend. Garrett Whitlock is going to start against Garrett Cole tonight. Oh my God, uh, Cole's seven and zero with a two eight two. So you know, and the way the Red Sox, as much as they struggled to hit the baseball lately, I don't have a lot of confidence that they're going to score a lot of runs against Garrett Cole. I mean, you, uh, you just you can't. By the way, Tristan Cassis hit a home run last night. He's over two hundred. Yay! That's that's what we're excited about. Our first baseman finally got his batting average over 200. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Adam Duvall will be activated tonight. He'll be in the lineup against the Yankees. Um, you know, how they end up doing that uh, as far as uh, uh, playing time, we'll see. It may be a platoon thing in the beginning. Um it may be he spent some time at DH. He can play first base. He did that with Cincinnati back a few years ago. I mean, who knows? But at some point, uh, the Red Sox have some decisions to make, and they're not going to be easy ones because it's uh, – and Alex Corey, you can see the frustration on his face. I mean, they benched Alex Verdugo yesterday uh, because he didn't hustle at the end of a game on Wednesday. You know, and Alex Cora is frustrated with the defense. He's frustrated with the effort, and at some point – uh, you know, you wonder if he's just going to say, you know what, I've had enough of this crap. And we may be in a situation where, and, and there's not a lot of talk about this right now, but we may be in a situation where the general manager, uh, Bloom, is in trouble. Because he's the one that constructed this dumpster fire of a roster. 36 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 38 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Friday morning. Hey, you know, uh, I just thought uh, when I was uh, getting ready, working on uh, my notes for the show this morning, uh, I watch the Today Show every morning on NBC, and they had this, uh, this silly thing on about uh, this is a group of women uh, that all got together and were wearing their wedding dresses to go out uh, for the day. You know, just like, you know, it's like, hey, you know, we, we bought these things. We never get to wear them. So they're all out, like, at dinner and cocktails and everything. And people are making a big, well, you know, was, did you all just get married? No, no, we just wanted to wear our wedding dresses again. But while they were doing this interview, one of these women, uh, it comes out that she has 11 children. She's like, I don't know, she's probably in her uh, late 30s. She has 11 kids. And my first re- <laughs> My first reaction, and Barbara's sitting there, just like, my first reaction was, what are you, nuts? That's just irresponsible. You know, the world's overpopulated. These children aren't going to die. It's not like the 17 or 1800s when, you know, half your kids might die, so you had, you know, lots of them. Eleven kids. And of course, Barb, 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 Barb didn't take my comment too well, uh, so... <laughs> Probably got myself a little bit of hot water this morning. But I, honest to God, eleven kids. I'd th- I'd kill. First of all, I'd kill myself. Uh, but it's just uh, uh, why, why? That's, I, I know. I better be quiet. I get myself in trouble here too. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays win again yesterday. They beat the Minnesota Twins four to two. 
Uh, they have now won six straight, seven of ten. They are 29-6 and six at home. The last team to go 29-6 and six at home, the 1998 New York Yankees, who won the World Series that year. By the way, I think that was the Yankees' last World Series championship. I love pointing that out, by the way, that the Red Sox have won more World Championships in the 2000s than the Yankees have. But <laughs> I'm a little bit more quiet about that with the season the Red Sox are having this year. Uh, but 29-6 and six at home. Yanni Chirinos comes up from AAA. This is how good this Tampa team is. This is what's crazy. You know, the Red Sox, they call up Matt Dermody, a guy who's gotten himself in trouble for his stupid tweets and being a homophobic uh, uh, nut job. Uh they bring up a guy from AAA yesterday in Yanni Chirinos. What does he do? Ah, uh, that's all right. I'll just go five and two thirds, five hits, one run. I won't walk anybody. I'll strike out four. And by the way, I'll, I'll do it all in sixty-five pitches. That's crazy. I mean, you know, this is a guy that was sent down to the minor leagues back in April. Comes back up and throws one run ball over five and two thirds innings, and Tampa wins. But of course, they do. A uh, bit of a controversy in this one. Bailey Ober got the start from Minnesota. And he retired the first nine guys he faced, right? Starts the game, nine up, nine down. We go to the fourth inning. In between innings, the umpires tell him to wash his hands. They had inspected his hands and... Uh, the, they thought that there was some too much residue on his hands from rosin, et cetera. So they tell him to go in and wash it, wash his hands. So when he comes back out, by the time that inning is over, Tampa scored three runs. And, you know, Elber said, look, I had too much sweat on my hands. I use rosin when I'm on the field. The umpire thought it was too much, told me to go back in and wash my hands. And he said, I let it get in my head. He said, I didn't feel safe with it. Like, you know, he said, I didn't feel safe out there in terms of, like, if he checks on me again and he's a little ticked off, he could toss me. And if that happens, he gets a 10-game suspension. And even the umpire after the game said, we didn't observe anything that was sticky or suspicious, but we decided it was better to make it a non-issue by cleaning it up and telling him to wash his hands. And so Bailey Ober, you know, whether he, you know, he said he let it get in his head. So whether it's just a sense of panic or whatever, so he goes out, gives up three runs in the bottom of the fourth. And by the way, I think it's kind of a a weak uh, argument by Ober. You let it get in your head because here's the deal: the Tampa Bay Rays could have done that anyway, even if he hadn't had to wash his hands. Even even Kevin Cash. The manager of the race, they didn't know what was going on. They just they said they assumed that he had just gone to the bathroom and taken a little while to get out of the bathroom. So they weren't even they weren't concerned about it. They never thought it was a big deal. So uh yeah. So the Rays win again and uh they uh they hang on to their six and a half game lead in the AL East. Uh just unbelievable what they're doing right now. Um they will now take on the Texas Rangers. This is going to be a very, very interesting series. The Rays leading the American League East. Texas leading the American League West by five games. Um, 
and it'll be Tyler Glass now is going to make his third start uh, after coming off the injured list. Doesn't have a record yet, but he's pitched fairly well since coming back. And Andrew Heaney is uh, going to get the start for the Texas Rangers. The, uh, these are the two teams with the best records in the American League. Uh, so that's going to be a fun weekend series uh, to keep an eye on. The Red Sox next opponent, the New York Yankees, uh, split a doubleheader with the Chicago White Sox yesterday. The White Sox win the first game 6-5. to five. Neither starting pitcher, very good. Lance Lynn got the start for Chicago, got bombed, gave up five runs in five innings. Uh, Pedro Severino gave up four runs in five innings for the Yankees. Um, and uh, then Michael King ended up blowing the game. He gives up a home run uh, to Jake Berger, a two-run shot in the seventh inning. And uh, the Chicago White Sox win the first one, 6-5. The Yankees come back in the second game. They win it 3 nothing. Randy Vasquez gave up just two hits, uh, pitching into the sixth inning, struck out three, Walked one, did not allow a run. He picks up the win. Uh, Clay Holmes comes out of the bullpen, picks up his seventh save of the season. Uh, Mike Clevenger got the start for Chicago and was just so-so. But when your team only gets two hits in a game, you need to be a little bit better than so-so. So the Yankees uh, split that series with the Chicago White Sox. And now the White Sox get to take on the Miami Marlins in a weekend series in Chicago. Um you know, the White Sox trying to turn things around. They have plenty of talent on this team. Dylan Cease is going to get the start today. Dylan Cease has been underwhelming. Uh, this is a guy that is a Cy Young contender, and he has a 3-3 three and three record with an ERA of almost 5 uh, this late in the season. Um, the Toronto Blue Jays win again. They beat the Houston Astros 3-2. to two. They take three out of four in that series with the Astros. They win the season series against the Astros uh, four to three. Houston has now lost three straight. It is the third time this year that that team has lost three in a row. And not only that, they lose Jordan Alvarez. He left the game at the end of the first inning uh, because of soreness in his right oblique. Uh, with Jose Altuve has been hurt, uh, they cannot afford to continue to have these injuries. This this is not the same offensive lineup. Uh, for the Houston Astros. Framber Valdez got the start for the Astros, and again, so-so. Five innings, four hits, three runs. He walked four guys in those five innings. Uh, he ends up taking the loss. And uh, Jose Barrios, another strong start. Six innings, four hits, two runs. Uh, picks up his sixth win of the season. And Jordan Romano, his 17th save. Uh, Vlad Guerrero got on base a couple of times. Uh, Alejandro Kirk with an RBI double in this one. And uh, Brandon Belt with the tie-breaking RBI single to give the Blue Jays the win in that one. Uh, weekend series for the Blue Jays will be against the Minnesota Twins. Yusei Kikuchi will get the start for the Blue Jays tonight. Sonny Gray, 4-1 and one with a 2-1-5 ERA, will get the start for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, there is trouble in New York. Well, at least on the Mets side. The Mets lose again yesterday. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 49 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. A wild game in Atlanta last night. Uh, no other way to put it. Uh, you would think it was the uh, New York Giants and the Atlanta Falcons. The final score of this one, 13-10. to uh, the Braves beat the Mets, Ozzie Albies, with a three-run walk-off homer in the 10th inning uh, to send the Mets to their sixth straight loss. 
Uh, these two teams combined for 23 runs and 33 hits in this game last night. Justin Verlander, a day after uh, Max Scherzer laid an egg for the Mets, Justin Verlander lays an egg for the Mets. Three innings, seven hits, five runs, walked four. Uh, ERA now up to 4.85. Uh, Spencer Strider, who's been so great for the Falcons, he didn't foul- fare any better. He gave up eight runs in four innings. Struck out eight, but eight runs in four innings. Uh, and uh, this one ends up going into extras. David Robertson blows the save uh, for the Mets. They brought him on to try to get a five-eight, five-out save. Uh, ends up giving up a home run that sends the game into extras. Um, and then Hunter gives up the uh, home run to Ozzy Albies in the tenth uh, to win it. Uh, and the Mets wasted a couple of home runs from rookie Francisco Alvarez. Uh, Brandon Nimmo had a grand slam in this thing, uh, but it's not enough. And the Mets have lost six straight. That's what $350 million will get you. And I said this yesterday, and I'll say it again today. Uh, I cannot even begin to fathom how hot the seat has to be for Buck Showalter right now. I know they've had injuries, um, but there is still a lot of, you know, talent on this team. And if it's not Buck, you know, is it going to be the pitching coach that's going to take the fall? Is it going to be the general manager who takes the fall? At some point, Steve Cohen is going to be looking around and going, okay, we're 60 games into this season. We're eight and a half back of the Braves. We are three games under 500 for $350 million. The Phillies, the Miami Marlins are five games ahead of us, for heaven's sake. Somebody's got to pay. Uh, you know, and the Mets, you know, maybe without Pete Alonso for a while, he had to leave the Mets yesterday, a day after getting hit on the wrist by a pitch from Charlie Morton. Uh, the x-rays were negative, but uh, it's pretty sore, so they sent him back to New York uh, for further testing on that wrist. The Mets, normally you would say they're going to get a break this weekend. They get to play the Pittsburgh Pirates. Here's the problem. The Pirates have a better record than the Mets. The Pirates are three games over 500 to the Mets three games under. So maybe not. Uh, And it's in Pittsburgh. Tyler McGill is going to get the start for the Mets tonight. Rich Hill, former Red Sox hurler, uh, 5-5 with a 4-4-1 ERA, uh, will take the mound for the Pirates. Look, the Pirates are only a game back of Milwaukee in the NL Central. Now, this is a team that believes that they can be in the, you know, and you look, this is really weird when you look at that NL Central. A lot of people thought Milwaukee would probably be the class, but a lot of people also thought that St. Louis, Chicago would be competitive. They normally are. They're at the bottom of the Central. You have Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, two teams that uh, are usually the cellar dwellers, uh, right in the middle of things in that division. Uh, the Braves get a break. They get to play the Washington Nationals. Uh, this weekend, uh, they're going to send a rookie. The Braves are out to make his first career start. AJ uh, AJ Smith Sawyer, uh, Sawver, I should say, uh, will get the start against Mackenzie Gore uh, for the Washington Nationals tonight. Hey, how about a Clemens wins a game for the Philadelphia Phillies? No, 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 not Roger Clemens. Kobe Clemens, with his dad in the stands, uh, with a winning RBI single. And the Philadelphia Phillies pick up their fifth straight win. They beat the Detroit Tigers yesterday by a final of 3-2. to two. Uh, Dad tweeting out uh, a big uh, uh, yes, sir, on Twitter with a, uh, a flexing emoji and, and a fire emoji as uh, his kid uh, wins the game. So good for him. Good for him. 
you know, it's kind of like I enjoy seeing uh, games for the Giants when when Mike Yastrzemski does something. Seeing seeing a Yastrzemski in the box score and in the headlines, and uh, seeing a Clemens in the uh, the headlines uh, makes me happy. Zach Wheeler, really the story of this game, though, for the Phillies, took a no hitter into the eighth inning and uh, pitched his uh, his rear end off. Uh, got uh, the first out in the eighth inning, uh, then an error uh, with one out in the eighth, and then uh, that was followed by an RBI single to right field, and that was the end of it for Wheeler. But uh, a good performance. And the Phillies, look, you know, they got off to a horrendous start. Horrendous. But uh, now have won five straight, find themselves in third place in the NL East. There's still eight games back of the Atlanta Braves, but they're just two and a half back in the wild card. So they are right in the middle of things. Uh, the Dodgers win yesterday. Clayton Kershaw, nine strikeouts. They shut out the Cincinnati Reds, uh, six, nothing. Uh, the Dodgers have a series this weekend, uh, coming up against the Phillies. That one should be interesting as well. See if the Phillies can keep things rolling against the Dodgers who have had their own problems. The Dodgers, uh, nine games over 500, but they still trail the Arizona Diamondbacks in the NL West. And the Angels beat the Cubs 3-1 yesterday. Hey, and don't look now, folks, but uh, the Los Angeles Angels are four games over 500. they They're only two and a half back of a wild card spot. And uh, not for nothing, there are a lot of people rooting for the Angels for the simple reason that, you know, look, they may have arguably the two best players in baseball in Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. And these are guys that, we need to see in the playoffs. And Major League Baseball needs these guys in the postseason. Uh, that will put butts in the seats, and that will bring viewers to the screen. So uh, the Angels keep things rolling. Uh, they have now won four in a row, six of ten, uh, and they are right in the middle of things in the NL West. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Hey, on a warm, uh, almost summer day, this would be a good day to have some dire straits, a little twisting by the pool. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.